Hey guys, and welcome back to episode 46 of That Scale RC Show. I'm one of your hosts, Adam, alongside with... Jeremy. And... Travis. And uh, I know we didn't get into it last um, episode, but uh, Travis is now going to be more of a fixture with this That Scale RC Show. Um, I guess, Travis, if you want to explain a little bit more um, what's going on, uh, and that way all our listeners can know you know why you're joining us yeah absolutely so everyone I, I've, I've been on this show numerous times before as either a guest or a helping hand but I do the uh, the track walk RC podcast which is like a northwest northwest based podcast and with the lack of racing right now things are pretty quiet so there's a lot less time going into my show despite you know still being weekly but that allowed a, a window to come up where I could come over and uh, join you guys and and help out a little bit, so happy to be here. Yeah, so we're happy to have the help, and uh, on top of that, we have another special guest this week. Uh, special guest, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, my name is Andre. I'm from Scale Metal Supplies. Nice. Yes, and, yeah, uh, I can't wait to get into talking about everything that he offers. Um, this is actually a first for us. Uh, we have not actually really had somebody on the show that has been um, like scale fabrication, uh, metal fabrication, all that stuff um, orientated. So um, it'll be interesting to hear what he has to say and the products he offers. Um, but uh, like always, we have our icebreaker question. So as I pull up my notes, um, and feel free to answer these any way you want. Um, and yeah, we'll just get started. Our, uh, what was your what was your first scale crawler? First scale crawler was uh, to me a bruiser that I got from a friend of mine whose dad had a bunch of old RC stuff. There was like some old uh, Italian nitro four wheel drive buggies in this big box, and then I saw the bruiser, and I'm like, all right, I'm in. Give me the box. <laughs> nice. And I tinkered with that for a little bit, and I was like, "Oh my god, this thing is so complicated." Uh, I used to do like ten scale racing. I do like the JBRL series down here in Southern California, and uh, you know, I wasn't not, I wasn't new to RC or anything. I mean, when I was a little kid, I had a midnight pumpkin. I remember doing wheelies in the in the alley behind my dad's house when I was a kid. So this Bruiser was kind of crazy because you know it felt like a stick remote, like an airplane kind of. Yeah. Um, so the, the first thing I did was try to not use that. <laughs> yeah. Was that around the time when um, people were – was there? Was that just because that was the first thing that you got that was like scale crawler related? Um, or was – because I know that a lot of people were converting bruisers, I want to say, mid to late this 2000s. Yeah, this was like 2008 when I okay. got my hands on the bruiser. Um, I had just kind of stopped doing the 10 scale racing thing. It was just wasn't becoming, wasn't as fun as it was, you know, when I, when I started it, you know, it just kind of became all the, the big headache and stressful <laughs> trying to keep up and go to all the races and everything and series chasing. But, um, yeah, so I got into to making like scale stuff, you know, back then you had to make pretty much everything you wanted. Yeah, exactly. You know, you had to, whatever you want, you know, scale accessories or 
setting up chassis mounted servos, however it was, you had to figure it out. Oh, yeah. Uh, big difference. Yeah, not, sorry, that was no, it's okay. I was going to say, big difference from where it started and where it is now. Oh, yeah. It's so much, I don't want to say easier, but it's like, oh, man. There's, you just click away, and then you have whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So the next question is, what is your favorite scale crawler that I own, period? That well, it could be that, that's why I said answer however you want. Um, favorite scale crawler that you <laughs> own that's, uh, that's out right now, however you want to answer that. Um, i got to be honest. I've only got one run on it, but I, I just put together the, the elements with the IFS. I didn't even try a straight axle. I, I actually built the IFS first, and then I built the rest of the kit on Easter because um, I had to stay inside and hang out. But... Uh, <laughs> Then uh, yeah, I rode. I ran that last Sunday, and it was really cool. I was stoked with how that worked and everything. I think that would be my favorite one right now, but not the favorite looking. Um, I have a four-door truggy that's kind of based on a rock-solid build, um, which is a Toyota off-road shop I found on Instagram, um, and they have a truck called the Beast, and I kind of modeled it after that. That would probably be my favorite scale aesthetic one. Awesome. Uh, uh, go ahead. That was it. Oh, okay. Um, your favorite place to go crawling? Uh, there's a little secret kind of spot by us uh, down here. I mean, everybody goes to Corona Del Mar, but those of us that know about it go to uh, the El Medina Open Space. There's just a lot of mixed media there. You have some slick rock. We have some, like, dirt trailing. There's this one spot called the cave, and it's just a really tough line. If the rocks are too cold, you're not going to make it in. If somebody went up with, you know, dirty tires, it's going to be extra slick. You're not going to make it in. Um, and it's end-to-end -end is a mile and a half. So I'll take my race out there. I'll do a little Ultra 4K running with it. You know, I'll go end-to-end -end out and back. So that's definitely my favorite spot to go. And there's not usually nice. a lot of people. Nice. Give them the cir given the circumstances... Uh, seems like everybody's out on the trails right now. <laughs> yeah, especially yeah. now that um, I don't know how it is down there, and that's one thing I know we haven't really touched base on on uh, this show is uh, I know up here in Northern California they have started opening a lot of the parks, so I've noticed a lot of our trails and parks have been open, and people are actually going back out to you know using them. But um, well, is it weird? They closed a lot of parking. But all the parks have still been open. The beaches were closed last weekend, but uh, the parking has been the weird issue. They'll close the parking at the park, but the park will be open. Oh, okay. Oh. So, uh, what about you guys up in Washington? Uh, right now, uh, I don't know. Isn't it just a lot of talk, Trav? And, like, I know they extended it through the quarantine through uh, – the 31st but after that i'm not sure so what the way the way that it's is. rolling now is that the the stay in place order is extended to the end of may you can go out and do like two people at a golf course kind of scenario but after that after the end of may then in june uh in like really limited groupings we can go out to places like trails and stuff like that um or just normal gatherings like up to a certain amount of people and then in july um, everything is supposed to go back to the way it was. So 
Don't really know because we haven't really seen cause for opening it back up yet, but that's the tentative plan. But people are starting to get to the point where they're just doing whatever they want to do anyways. So it doesn't really <laughs> <Yeah>. matter. <laughs> yep. Because yeah. America. Basically. <laughs> yeah, I've seen a lot of that. I was actually on my way back from a job today, and uh, I was coming down this one um, exit off the freeway, and, and there's a big, like, it's known for hiking, and it's a big park. Um, and they had everything blocked off for the last, like, what, four weeks? And now, as soon as they pulled the the, uh, the barricades away, that thing, there was not a spot to park. It was so crowded. I was like, well, I guess everybody just gave up and went right back to doing what they were doing. Yeah, in the southeast part of the state, <laughs> there's, a, there's a place called Walla Walla, and they have, a, uh, they have a track right in the center of town there. And next weekend they're trying to go racing. They're just they've got a whole event going on with people coming over and everything. And someone was like, "Well, how are you guys able to do that?" And the response that we just got was, "Yes." So <laughs> I don't I don't really know what their plan is, and I don't really know. <laughs> a lot of people are starting to get to that point, so we'll just have to see. Yeah. Uh, um. Yeah, hold on. I gotta see where I was at. Oh yeah. Favorite event. Uh, Pulling by the fire was a lot of fun, but like my best memory of an event was a poker run out in Apple Valley at this place called the G Spot, like 2010-ish. I took my little brother, and it was just a good memory. Nice. It's a little hectic. It's cool. It's huge. And there's a lot to do. I actually volunteered most of my time uh, last year at the uh, rally course. I did like the the Ultra 4K hot lap thing. I was doing the timing for that, and then I was helping the uh, SoCal rally runners. Right. What I kind of turnout did they have for the rally cars? The test scale. Uh, there, there was, I don't know, I want to say like 30 people with like rally stuff, so everything from like rally cars to like Dakar truck. Uh, really? And then for the hot lap, the hot lap was a lot smaller, and uh, Scale Builders Guild and... Um, Harley Designs was uh, was out there, Josh and Matt, so that was kind of cool to see them, you know, see people that you watch on YouTube, that was kind of cool. Awesome. Right on. Um, let's see, what is the current number of rigs you own? One, two, One. three, four, five, six, seven, uh, seven and a half, I've got a project <laughs> that's half staged. I stole the axles from and I sold them the other day because I didn't really want them. Oh, I guess nine and a half. I've got a whole bomber kind of in a box still that I'm going to build, but I have all the, the drivetrain parts. I'm just going to build the cage. <laughs> this sounds remarkably like Adam's collection. <laughs> well, hey. <laughs> just yeah, just a... <laughs> a lot of projects. Three pro I have three projects that aren't put together, okay? Three? That is unacceptable. How, how are you ever going to finish anything? Now, in what I have... Now, besides for my collection, I have one, two, three, four cars that aren't mine that I am working on. Oh, nice. Kind of. Sort of. I need to finish them. That's more like it. I need to finish them. <laughs> so do people ship stuff to you for custom work, or how do you handle that? Uh, I've had inquiries for people shipping it, but so far it's been mostly local guys, just because I don't want to deal with losing an expensive car in the mail. Right, yeah. It, it gets I pricey. I have two 410s 
in here and an element and a bomber that I'm working on that aren't mine. So it's like, ah, I don't really want to be responsible if something happens in the mail. Yeah, totally understandable. But I have been hit up by people, and I try to help out. I try to offer, you know, if you have questions on making stuff, I try to be a resource is with this whole thing that I'm trying to make is I want to be the guy that you come to with questions. <laughs> nice, good. We need more of that. And yeah, offer solutions and answers and stuff. So my new website's going to have uh, a bit of a how-to section on there too, which should be up maybe tomorrow. But yeah, yeah week, my new website will be up. Um, yeah, we're, yeah, we're going to have to dive into um, Yeah, we'll dive into all of that as soon as we get done with these questions because um, I'm sure we got a lot to cover that. <laughs> Um, so let's see, uh, comp versus trail days, which do you prefer? I really like the trail days now, but I mean, when I started, it was comp crawling. I was, I was part of a local club that was like OC, RC, RC, the Orange County Rock Crawlers, RC, whatever. Um, and we hosted events and stuff, and there was a couple local spots that we would go to, one in Lake Forest, and then... I made my way to like the top of the group, and I organized one at Corona Del Mar. It might have been the first, to my knowledge, it was the first comp that was held at Corona Del Mar. It was very small, but uh, even back then, you know, companies like Castle, you hit them up, and they're like, "Yeah, here's a couple." I think I still had when I started doing more scale stuff um, many years later, like 2007, 2006. I still had parts that they had sent me to give away. That we didn't give them all away in the wrap. I had like one BEC that was super old. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, I'm talking like back in the days of like uh, Panther tires. The Panther, I can't <laughs> yep. remember what the model was. Oh, wow. But they had like a Traxxas transmission, and you, you built your battery packs, and you had three cells on each side of the pumpkin. Between them, the servo was in the middle, and you had your electronics on the back. Crazy. Way back, way back. <laughs> yeah, so it sounds like you've been in it for a while. Um, yeah. Uh, da, da, oh yeah. If you were to walk into a hobby shop, what would what would your next scale purchase be? Whether it be parts, accessories, car, what would your next purchase? Be? Uh, I was looking at the new Proline tires. I had two sets in my hand the other day. I was at my local hobby shop, Ultimate Hobbies, and I just like, ah, I don't know which one they get. It was the Icons, and then, uh, not the Grunt. Oh, there's another new small tire that they have. I can't remember it off the top of my head right now. Uh, and Proline? Is it the Icon? And then, yeah, it was Proline. It was a newer one. I already have the Grunts. I bought the Grunts. I got those mounted up. I'm just staring at them. But it was the Icon, and there was another new small tire, and I was like, ah, I want these, but I don't need them yet. They came out because I was gonna say when you say small tire, you used to, uh, they have a small one nine. I think they just released in the crawler. Oh, was yeah, it? Yeah, it hasn't cool. been official. I, I don't, don't think that's think. on the floor yet. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't think it's on the floor. That's the only thing I can think of. Though. Honestly, if I go in right now, I would buy. I have a list of transmission parts because I need to build um, a transmission for the little shop trip I'm making. I sent Adam some pictures of it uh, yesterday. That's probably my next purchase. Would be a transmission case and some incision gears and bearings and a top shaft and idler gear. So that's how I build my stuff. I don't really build kits. I just buy parts. <laughs> nice. 
And then last question for the icebreaker is favorite hobby shop. Ultimate Hobbies. I've been going there for a long, long time. Nice. Always awesome to represent the local hobby shop. Yeah, ever, I mean, right, right before this uh, stuff started, too, I was kind of a New Year's resolution to stop using Amazon and just order through the hobby shop. So <laughs> nice. I've been going in with part numbers. I have all my part. Uh, I have all my part numbers actually in my phone saved. So when I go over there next to order those transmission parts. Nice. Um. So yeah. So I, I know. Guys, we're being, what was that? I was. I think you guys had touched on it. That it's like basically. You, you save free shipping if you do that stuff from the hobby shop, too. So, I mean, you guys reinforced that a while ago. I don't remember what episode it was. So, definitely definitely following through with your guys' suggestion. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, I guess, don't realize that a lot of the hobby shops can order. You know, if they don't have it, they can order through the distributors um, parts that you need. Um, so, it sounds like, yeah, you're listening to some of the stuff we were talking about. It is. So that's awesome. Absolutely. So, um, so I know we t we touched on it. Um, I guess this is the time we'll dive into it a little bit more. Um, scale metal uh, supply. Um, kind of give us, you know, a little rundown of what it is exactly you're doing, and uh, I guess tell us what inspired you to start, um, you know, creating what it is that you're you're doing. I like to build. I've been building for myself for a little. while. Well, uh, last year was the first time I built for somebody else. I made a rust bus. That was actually what we called it. So, um, it was a, I think a Massatel. I don't know. It was some hard body from Amazon. It was like 60 bucks, and it was like a VW microbus. Um, and the guy told me to buy that, and then he wanted me to turn it into like a transport truck, and then weather it, and then he wanted to do AR-60s under it. So I was like, oh, yeah, sure, I can do all that. And then do an XOK, John, and it actually came out really good, and I was kind of proud of that. So and I got some good feedback on my Instagram, um, and I had some people hit me up, and I just kind of kept going from that. And I built a car a month until two months ago, and I got this double order for two BS 410s, and one's like 90% done, and the other's about halfway done. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> building is why this all started. I was making these tabs for myself. I was mm -hmm. cutting them out, you know, with shears and drilling them on the drill press and stuff. And I'd used other brands' uh, um, products before just because I'm not the only one out there. But, you know, it's like I want more of a variety. So that was kind of my goal was to get one sheet that had everything on it that you could possibly use, some kind of a hinge, some sort of a shock tower. And I've been doing – actually, this year I did two cars for what was canceled, the uh, uh, Scale Nationals in Vegas. I did two – RC four wheel drive. Uh, what was it? One was uh, I guess one. Was, they're both TF twos, but one was converted um, to have leaf springs, not leaf springs, coil springs and stuff. But they wanted a roll bar and they wanted bumpers. They wanted to get a few extra scale points. And one guy was really copy about it, and he was showing me like side hilling with the winch. So I made this weird roll bar that kind of looked like a K from the top. So the rear supports met in the center. So if he was to winch, he could loop it from the side, and he could do like side winching using the roll bar that I made for him. That's awesome. Yeah, so building is really why I started doing this and kind of keep kept going with it. I was using it for myself, and I'm like, I can't be the only one that needs these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, that's typically how it starts. I know, because um, uh, I was kind of in the same boat um, when I first got into this way back, like in 2009, 2010. Um, everything was pretty much bolt on um, until actually I met Elio and he showed me welding. Um, that's when I got gung ho and said, I need to get a welder. I need to start, you know, making my own stuff because the you could be so much more creative and get so much more done, and you're not bound to just what's on the shelf. And um, yeah, you start out with uh, using a vise and um, making your own tabs and mounting points and whatnot. Um, and then once you know you start using like prefab tabs, um, it makes life a lot easier because the Absolutely. guest so. No, it's it's awesome, and uh, we actually, or I actually mentioned it uh, to Jay and Travis before you got on. I was like, you know what? I kind of see some cool things in this. Um, there was a somewhat local to me um, guy who was doing a lot of um, kind of like the same thing. He had some scale tab parts, and he mainly built like bumpers for a lot of the cars, and, um, sliders, and rock rails, and all that stuff. Uh, Word he made, and uh, He's, you know, he kind of closed the doors. He said he's not going to do it anymore. And um, I definitely see, like, your passion and your um, creativity kind of, like, falling suit into what he was doing. So it's kind of cool to see somebody else still wanting to do what others have ultimately done in the past, but some have gotten out of it. So I think that's awesome. Oh, I definitely made a note when I heard you talking about that, I don't know how many episodes ago. But, yes, I remember the mention of... They no longer make stuff, and I was like, oh. <laughs> it's kind of left a void in the market right now, honestly. Yeah, so I have some, uh, obviously, the sheets that I sent Adam. That's kind of like the most basic item. But now I'm working more on, like, very, I don't want to say spe spe uh, specific, but, like, specialty tabs. The pan hard bar um, has actually been doing really good. I posted up a couple of videos. I have it on my little U4 truck, um, just kind of romping away. But I do have some other things that I'm working on. Uh... For more scale builds to get, you know, a full interior in there, you need a really low drivetrain, as you guys know. So I, I have some stuff that should be coming out by the end of this month, maybe next month. Awesome. Um, I, I was going to say, uh, make sure to let everybody that's listening know where they can find your stuff. It's a very complicated website right now because it's like a Google bit thingy. But scalemetalsupplies.com is going to be... The official website, I, I bought the .com uh, last weekend, maybe the weekend before. When I sold out the second time, I was like, ah, I should see if I can get the .com for this. So it will be easy to find. Nice. Right. And we are going to have a store on it, so ordering will be easier. Right now, you submit an email saying, yeah, I'm interested in this stuff, and then I send you an email back, and we go back and forth, which is kind of <laughs> cool because it kind of regulates the flow. Um, I got a lot of orders really quick. I gave some tabs to Matt from the Scale Builders Guild, and he did a sweet brazing video, and that kind of blew me up for a little while. So nice. it, was, it was cool to have all those orders, but then it was a little stressful to see all those orders. But uh, yeah, it's going good. I'm actually packaging one that's going to Germany right now. It's my first European order. So that's super cool. I'm stoked about that. Feels pretty good seeing like a pile of stuff that's getting to go out ship kind of like you look back at it you're just like man that is a lot is, of stuff yeah, and it and kind of fires you up yeah, yeah seeing the envelopes mm -hmm. or the boxes whatever i'm using yep 
Well, that's what I was telling um, Andre last night was I was saying that would be an interesting thing to talk to Jay about because, Jay, have you ever sold anything internationally and had to deal with all of that kind of shipping? Yeah, I had a couple bad experiences uh, with Canadian Post. And after that, I was just like, you know what? I'm not going to mess with this because the issues that I was running into, and this is before we had the store site. We haven't like messed with the international shipping a whole lot on the store site just yet. But I had an order that went to a guy and it was all custom stuff. You know, it was a wrap that was designed for him and his colors and a bunch of name decals and stuff. And it, I sent it out and, uh, it came back to me and so then you know i got a hold of the guy i'm like hey you know what's going on with your address here he's like no it's a real address and i was like well they you know they said on here that it's not you know that they can't verify this address so we got to figure something out here he's like no just send it again so i sent it again comes back to me a second time and by now you know i'm upwards of like 50 dollars in shipping and uh i'm i was telling him i was like dude can't you just like you know, have it sent to your work or a buddy or something like that. Like clearly there's a problem with your address. And he's like, no, no, that's, that's the right one. And then he turns around and files a PayPal claim saying he never got his stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, Oh, great. And that was like a $285 order that I ate. And, uh, that kind of bummed me out. And then the other thing with international is like all you have to have all of their info like the post office won't even talk to me unless i've got like email phone number and everything and there was just too much going back and forth you know like okay you know i'd get a quote tell the customer what it was going to be and then of course you know it was always really expensive and then i have to think about it a little bit and man it was just running around in circles chasing my tail trying to make it happen and I've never had a quote on the USPS website actually match what they had charged me at the post office. And so like these orders that I was doing, I had like grossly underbilled the shipping on. And I was honestly, the last time I tried shipping something, I was so mad that I was just over it. I was like, I'm just going to stick to us only. And that's it. And I kind of, I don't know we, to sell international on site. I think we have to get all the tariff codes and stuff like that too, for each individual product. And then, uh, just it, it's a lot of hassle so i just honestly don't want to deal with it right now yeah so andre what was your experience because i'm going to let you tell um well matt's in canada of the steel builders guild and i've sent three more cents there so at least canada has been okay you do have me concerned there's a weird symbol on this german address and i hope i got it right <laughs> i hope it makes it to where it's going it's yeah, not some quite of those B, addresses are out there. Yeah, just because it's not a letter. It's like a symbol, sort of, kind of. I hope I got it right. Yeah, that's always the hard concern. I mean, I've, okay, so the only experience I've ever had with shipping international was with two chain scalers um, sending out stickers. We had a couple people hit us up for some stickers, and one guy lived in the UK. And the other one was in Guam. The Guam one, I didn't really bother me too much because it's a, it is part of the U.S., Florida. So, uh, I mean, it is, but even though it goes to, like, a different kind of postal once it hits there, it's still, you know, 
I guess I feel safer because, like I said, it's all kind of going where I know it's going. Uh, the UK one kind of scared me because the way they do their um, their addresses, I guess it's more closer to like how Canada is. It's like you know, it's not just a city and a state. It's like a it's like your city, your state, your province, and your like region in that province, and you're like. Okay, this is like yeah, super confusing. Yeah. I hope I got this right. And then the country code and everything else you got to mess with. And that was yeah. And then the other thing too is, I guess what a lot of people don't realize. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's a way to do it, but when you're kind of like doing it yourself, kind of like how we are. Um, and I don't know, Jay. Maybe you have a, any other kind of experience, or wonder if you have any other you know words for this part. Um, I've noticed that like once it leaves the U.S. There's really no way for the sender to track where it's going. Yeah, we had that issues with Canada Post a lot. Yeah, I was gonna say because like, as soon as it leaves the U.S. border, it's like it changes hands, and you have like no clue where it's at. So you're just kind of like hoping that it shows up. Well, and you have no control either when you're you know, shipping stuff anyways, even domestically though, you know, it's like you, you ship it out and you know, if it gets lost or held up or anything like that, I mean, it's really out of your hands at that point. You have terrible luck shipping though too. Like most of the time when I've had shipping issues, I've been able to resolve them fairly easily. But when it happens to you, it's like (laughs) suddenly there's no staffing anywhere. You can't get a hold of anybody. There's no clues. Like, uh, you yeah, have really weird terrible. circumstances that surround those. Uh, that's funny. I shouldn't be laughing, but it's comical. <laughs> well, yeah, thanks yeah, for that. <laughs> 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 uh, I actually I definitely said everything priority, so I do have a. Okay. No, go ahead. I just didn't. I just said everything priority, just so I have a tracking number, and that's like the first thing I do. It's like, all right. Your order is going to go tomorrow, and then I'll send you tracking information when it ships. Just so yeah, I, can, I send I mean, everything. I, when I order stuff, I want a tracking number right away. I ordered some stuff from RC Four Wheel Drive, and it was like three to eight days, and I waited like seven days, and I said, "Can I get a tracking number, please?" So I was like, "You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to be on top of extra on top of it with tracking at least, whether they can find it or not. I'd like to provide a number." What uh, what hosting service did you use for your store? Uh, I just use USPS right now. No, no, I mean like I hosting for your online store. Uh, that's a good question. I online. don't exactly know. I have to find out from my IT buddy when the site gets oh, set up okay. all the way. <laughs> yeah, w- we went through uh, Shopify to do our store, and I have I just absolutely love it. I can't say enough good things about Shopify. Noted. Okay, yeah. If you were looking at like GoShipo or something, because it's a GoDaddy site that I bought, so I guess those are somehow connected, and it makes things easier when people do fill out the order form and fills out the shipping information, and you just got to buy a printer. I don't know all the details, but I will be learning soon. Awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, the only I've only had really one bad experience, and it was actually a domestic. Um, shipping issue, and um, ironically, it was Terevis. So, um, yeah, he asked for some he asked for some decals, and I sent him, and he needed them for a build, 
and I didn't hear from him for like three or four days, and I shipped him like overnight, and he hits me up, and he's like, dude, he goes, I got to get this card done by like tomorrow. Where are those stickers? I feel you're just getting a hold of me now? I sent these like, you know, like three days ago. I said, and it was overnighted. I said, my thing says they're delivered to your address. And he's like, there's nothing there. And I'm like, ah, so I did it again. And I don't know. And he said, same thing. said, never got anything. I was like, I don't know. You must live in the black hole or something. Because I said, my side says they're delivered. But that was like the only issue I've ever had shipping it. Otherwise, Everybody normally gets it. The only other thing I don't like, and then maybe this is just me being a nitpicker, is when you send it and you get the notification saying it's been delivered, but you never hear from people to like, almost like say, hey, yeah, it showed up. I mean, I get it. You don't always get a, hey, yeah, it showed up. But sometimes it's kind of like nice getting the reassurance that, okay, yeah, it sh actually showed up and you're happy with it. Yeah, Absolutely. No, I'm so. happy every time I see a post on Instagram. Like, oh, I got my sheets. I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> yeah, that's usually where I see it. it's like Facebook when somebody posts something. They're like, hey, got my order today. And so it's always one way at least. And then it's kind of handy too because then you can just turn right around and share their post to your page. And then, you know, it's just kind of some good PR for you. So. The other thing, now to like switch off of the whole shipping thing, my question is, um, so obviously uh, you're welding, uh, correct? Yes. Okay. So um, I guess because I've talked about it a little bit um, from my setup, um, you're doing a wire feed MIG welder or are you TIG welding or what's your uh, setup? Yeah, it's a... Wire feed MIG. I was doing flux core on the first few, and then I had to build a very copy rig, and they wanted lots of uh, a tube and very thin plates. So I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to have the control. So I went out and bought a tank and blew through a bunch of uh, 16 gauge, figuring it out to, how to dial it in. But uh, yeah, now it's all MIG. It's just a lot less cleanup too, and it's so fast. Uh, I built a lot of bumpers for another company. So I needed something that was quick. As soon as he started, kind of blew up, and he got some shop accounts himself um, with local hobby stores. Nice. Yeah, I mean, it's just interesting to hear other people because I know it's, like, still kind of not, you know, um, as common. I mean, if, so, if people do any kind of, like, custom work, a lot of them typically will weld, but you'd be surprised. There's some people that strictly... Um, you know, solder things together, or braze, um, and yeah, so it's interesting to see everybody's take on how they do everything. Brazing is way cleaner. I mean, the finished product, it's the, the joints are so tight, uh, but that, too, you have to be really good with your prep work. you got to know how to notch the tubes and stuff, so. So, have, have, have you brazed? Sorry, Jay. What's that? I was just yeah. saying, I thought I was starting to talk. Oh, no, I was. I was going to ask about, like, with brazing, because um, one of my buddies that I crawl with a lot here, he uh, bought the Northwest Scalar Designs um, tubing bender and then, like, their setup station and stuff. And then I have a wire feed MIG welder that I've used on the few things that I've made, and I just love it to death. But he ended up just deciding he was going to braze stuff and not invest in a welder for out at his shop. And, uh, 
the thing that's kind of and you could probably answer this for me andre the thing that has kind of put me off about brazing is it's almost like i need another set of hands while i'm doing it you know it's like when i'm building something it's usually just a one-off or something and you know i'm not like setting up a jig or anything and sometimes vice grips only go so far you know trying to hold something together so that you can you know braze it but i mean what what do you use to maintain accuracy when you are brazing stuff uh i don't i mean i haven't braised in 10 years oh, oh 2020 uh yeah about that um i braised the frame together that was the last thing i braised together but even back then i would just use safety wire oh really huh oh, okay that's that was a trick that i had picked up um, just over the years of working as a mechanic and stuff and fabrication. That really helped put stuff in place. And magnets work until they get too hot. Um, and then it's trying uh, to get some way to, like, pinch them down. There, there's some little right. thing you can get. It's like a, it kind of looks like a rake, sort of. And it's got a little finger point. Obviously, it doesn't work on the super tiny pieces. That's where the safety wire comes into place. Because uh, that's easy enough. If it does stick, you can file it down and get it out of the way. But that's the big tip. No kidding. Wow, that's really cool. Uh, Braze post or something. Right. Yeah, because like I, I was... Like brazing nuts for linkage or brazing nuts for a shock mount or something like that. That's what I would do. It. I would cut a little piece of safety wire. I'd safety wire it into place and twist it until it didn't move and then flush and braze. Dude, that is so smart. I hope everybody, yeah. like... I hope a lot of people hear that because that is a super smart way to go. Because, I mean, I've seen, you know, like welding magnets and stuff like that and where you can kind of half-ass make a jig out of stuff. But, I mean, dude, that safety wire, that's absolutely ingenious. Th yeah, thank you for sharing that with everybody. That's super smart, man. Yeah, that's, I'm going to definitely have that somewhere on the tips and tricks section on the website, too. You know, I mean, that's what it's about. I really like doing this. It's a lot of fun for me. I just want to share it with other people that, you know, it's not that hard to do, and there's some really crazy, not overpriced, expensive, you know, custom rigs out there that you can get. It's not that it's super hard to do. It just takes time and patience. You'll mess up some things. I've, I've got a right. big piece around here somewhere. Um, it was like a boat side that I tried to make that's totally blown out. That's, that's a, a keepsake, you know. I always look at it. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> you're gonna mess stuff up that's part of the fun well and the more fun that you can make this for your customers too you know to and like take the frustration out of it so like all of your you know like tips and tricks you know for what you do that is an awesome thing to have posted to your website just because i mean I, I don't know like when we do detailed stuff here and everything people are like oh man that looks so cool you know i wish i could do that and it's like dude it's not magic or witchcraft or anything like you know just sit down and have some patience and you know you can knock out something like this too like i mean i'm not anything special anybody can do this you know it's just trial and error and sometimes you get lucky and you nail something on the first try and that's always a great feeling but i mean no i i think the direction you're going is awesome because you know the the more fun you can make this the more people you're going to be bringing back to yourself yeah, like I said, I have a ton of fun with it. I mean, it's cool, though, to see your stuff posted. Um, I don't know if you guys saw Axial's post. Maybe it was like four or five days ago. It was the Unimog with the exo cage on it. I don't think I saw that one. Was it the... It was like the head-on. Yeah, it was like the head-on view. Uh, yep. I made that. That was one of my builds. Oh, wow. 
No kidding. That's cool. So it is super cool to see your stuff like, you know, on on the brand page. It's like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Yeah, I've always said, you know, some people are in it because like that's their end goal. They want to like make it on like certain like pages or a certain recognition. Then there's other people that you know are like all about you know having fun with it. You know, it's like I said. Don't get me wrong. Everybody wants to be recognized. Everybody wants to have some sort of like you know praise for what they're doing. But at the end, it's how you kind of take that. Like it sounds like you're just having a good time, so you're like, yeah, I see it on this, that's awesome. If you saw it over here, that's awesome. If you just kind of like see it anywhere, it's awesome. It doesn't really matter where it ends up, just as long as people are also enjoying it, which is like I, I said, it's really cool. I'm, you know, a big advocate for that. If that made sense to anybody. Oh yeah. It's about fun, you know. It's about building stuff, and it's about helping other people. You know, it's the, uh, it's the. Uh, the community, basically. I'm trying to be a part of the RC community. Well, yeah. And you eat off each other's creativity and, and all that. Oh, yeah. Um, which is good. I mean, you know, we need more people wanting to get into be a part of the community, you know. Uh, that way it grows. And it grows with, uh, you know, better people and uh, like-minded people. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, I guess my only other question is um, trying to think how to put this. Uh, do you have any tips and tricks? Because I have my own on how to clean up any like welds or anything. Like if it gets a little too out of hand, and you're like, "Oh, that didn't really look good. Uh, let me try and fix this." Or is it a lot of like you go up that's beyond repair and just start over? Uh, I only have a handful still remaining of, like, totally going to the trash. But, um, I just try to be very light with every pass, you know? Uh, especially with the MIG welding, you just really got to pull it from one bar to the next when I'm doing, like, rods and stuff to cages. Or the tabs on my sheet. Um, I made some, like, door panel mounts, sort of. So, like, the hinge on the MST brute, I have my long single tab, single hole tab, um, mounted up in the same place as the door hinge. So it's just like, where it really matters, weld it on the inside so you don't see it. Mm, good idea. Like one thing that I get a lot of good response with is like the double stack bumpers. Roll tube tubes and I'll literally stack them on my bender and bend them at the same time. I'll only weld them in the back. It just looks super clean. When you're done, you don't see anything. You know, just try to hide it if you can, I guess is the best way to approach the welds, That's but if it does get out of hand, smart. you're going to have to sit there with the file. That Unimog, I sat there for a long time with the file, making that skid plate super smooth. Nice. Yeah, no, that's that, those are all really good, um, you know, tips, because um, I know some people, I guess they get intimidated, because I guess the other way to put it is, like, when you're welding scale, like, tent scale stuff, like bumpers, cages, whatever, um, you you don't really have to be, like, a true welder. Like, you don't need to know how to lay a perfect bead and all this, that, and the other because half the time it's so small, you'll never be able to achieve that with um, with a mid -wheel. So um, the closest you'll ever get is if you switched over to brazing because then you can get a, a tighter, um, you know, point of where it's all meeting, and then that way 
when you braise it, it's a lot cleaner. You like it's you know if you're going for that super detail, but like I've always found with welding, if you kind of set it up right, when you kind of join the two pieces together, if you just give it one kind of healthy tack, it pretty much will give it the look almost like on a real rig that it's been welded in that area, and that's kind of always been my go-to. At least that's how I attempt to get everything looking. Yeah, and going back and forth, honestly, the flux core, you can lay that a lot tighter to the joints. At least I could lay that a lot tighter to the joints than I can the MIG. The MIG kind of blobs it out a little bit more, but maybe I just don't have the settings right for the 316th rod. But I noticed with the flux core, I was able, I got to the point where I could do little beads, but I just, the amount of bumpers I had to make was way more than I could deal with cleaning up all the extra spatter from the from the flux core. And I didn't want to be breathing that in. Right. Yeah, I guess my other question is um, are you like are you planning on doing more like um, just sticking with like the fab tabs and everything or do you ever think you're going to go into like making bumpers or sliders or stuff that are ready to bolt on um like, if your customer's like, yeah, I, I don't weld, I'd like to have something that looks like I welded it, but... There's plenty of good stuff out there. Um, IERC is the one who I weld all the bumpers for. They've been around for, I think, like a year and a half. And okay. their bumpers are good. I know. I make them. They're tough. Um, he's got some really cool sliders and other stuff. So, I mean, I don't want to compete with stuff that's already out there. That's another kind of angle I have for scale metal supplies, is I don't want to have a lot of competition. I know that sounds like an obvious business thing, but I don't want to infringe on something that's already out there. So no, I'm not going to make anything that you can straight bolt on. These are Everything's going to be metal supplies, so you can buy my stuff and then make stuff. I do have plans for some more detailed uh, building stuff, I guess. Uh, I'm trying to work out cutting up one of my favorite cars, which I really don't want to do. Um, and then kind of make a template out of it, and then have the template as like a free file that I'm going to have somewhere on the website. And what you can do is you can print it out, you can bend your rod, and you can lay it on top of the template, and then you can make an internal cage for your honcho, or you can make a truggy for whatever. Man, that's a fantastic idea. Yeah, no, that's really cool. Um, that's another thing that I've never, I don't think I've ever mentioned on here either. Um, I've actually had some decent success um, making stuff for people because my, my biggest fear when I'm making something and I don't have whatever it is I'm making it for on hand, I'm afraid that it's not going to fit right or it's going to be off, the angle's going to be off or whatever. Um, I did this once for Todd Norton. He wanted a roll bar in one of his rigs. Uh, just a simple, like I call it like Chuck Morris roll bar. It's got one hoop that goes, follows like the cab line and the two bars going down into the bed. And He's like, I really don't want to have to send my rig or drive all the way down there for you to do it. And I said, dude, just measure, like trace out the back of your cab on a piece of paper and scan it into the computer so it stays the true, you know, what it is and just send it over. That way when I put it on, you know, when I print it out, it'll be a true representation of what it is. And I can just trace it with whatever I'm making and make sure it follows all the bends, and then you let me know how far back your bed goes, and I'll just draw a line on the table and make sure the bars stop right there, and boom, we're done. And I couldn't believe it. 
I followed his, you know, what he had traced out, and I sent it off to him. It bolted right up as if I made it in the back of the truck. So tracing and having templates does help. I remember the episode where you talked about that, actually. <laughs> so I did mention it. Okay, so yes, I'm glad you did mention it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that really wraps it up for me on uh, the, the main questions I had, just to kind of clarify what it is um, you're offering, selling, um, and definitely where to find it. Um, I know when we first mentioned it on the show, just to clarify, when I originally said um, Anarchy RC, that was before everything got switched to an actual company. Or yeah, I just pulled that name out of my butt. Basically, it was like, well, I want. Up until this point, everything has always been like, yeah, anarchy this, oh, anarchy that. I have a big anarchy tattoo on my arm, and it's you know. Well, anyway, time to come up with an adult name, <laughs> a grown-up name. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it, it's always it's always fun to brand it and uh, come up with something. Um, I know uh, Jay, you're recently in the middle of rebranding. Is yeah, that... maybe. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I want to, but man, it's such a big decision to have to make. Yeah. Um, Honestly, I mean, you guys are a big part of... Sorry. No, go ahead. Listening to you guys talk about the icon, I spent most of my time trying to come up with a small logo that meant mm. metal, and it meant RC. And that's how I ended up with the anvil and the roll page on top of it. Nice. Yeah, and then the the hardest part about doing that, and I know Jay'll know this because he's more, I guess, logo orientated. Is a lot of people don't realize you got to also not just think that this is going to be, you know, a big, you know, gaudy sticker. Like you got to remember, like if somebody wants this thing like super small and simple, you can't have it super ornate. Otherwise, it will not transfer well when you scale it down. Uh huh. Yes, very true. I have uh, a scan and cut pro thingy, and I had a file. Actually, I actually have Jay, I hope, still going on. Um, I yep. contracted him to make me some, some sticker kits that I would like to include with some of my kits that you can buy for me as a freebie item. But I also just made some up just to get them on my orders, to get them out. And, oh, my, it is a pain in the butt to weed out the little tiny SMS, I tell you. Oh, yeah. I try and print as much as I can and stay away from weeding stuff. Absolutely, yeah. That's what we talked about at Breeze. I was like, you know what? Whatever's easiest. Yeah, I gave you what I had in mind. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> don't think I'm going to do any more of these. So those people that have ordered and got them, you got the only ones. <laughs> <laughs> Collector's item now. Yeah, yeah. I don't think people realize. I mean, if you're in the, I guess, decal business, um, you know, weeding really small stickers is not fun. Um, especially like when some of the spots are like the size of like a pencil dot on a piece of paper, and you're like trying to like get it out without tearing the rest of the sticker, or, or if that little piece has to stay behind, and you're trying to not have it come up with everything else. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, stuff like that, I'll just print on clear and just call it done. That, that's so much easier and looks nicer. 
But. Yeah, I picked a font that I knew could be cut out like that and still be on it. Um, also, I have some metal SMS things that I'm throwing out with the with my bigger orders, like the over hundred dollar orders. I'm giving them these little. It's like an SMS rectangle. I have one that I got from a lot that I bought of RC stuff a couple years ago, and there's these just four holes in the corner. But I use it all the time to check square on stuff. I'll just shove it in the corner, you know, to make sure that the door bar that's meeting the the A pillar, make sure it's square. So it's kind of like a tool, I guess. That's how I use it. Nice. Awesome. Um, I, I was saying, I guess that wraps, you know, unless, Jay, Travis, you guys have any other things that you can think of that are related to fabrication and... No, I've, I've learned a lot, actually. Yeah, same here. So, yeah. No, that, wire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is so awesome. That, there's there's a lot of things that I guess people don't realize. Um, I guess the only thing I, that I would ask is, um, well, you do those those tabs are obviously made out of stainless, correct? Or are they just regular steel? No, no, no. They're uh, hot roll, and they are 16 gauge. Everything is all like mild steel, so you can weld it or braze it or whatever. No, no stainless stuff. Okay, no, the reason why I ask is because have, okay, now I know this is going to sound weird, but I think I've mentioned this before. Have you ever welded with stainless material? I have not. So the thing that really blows my mind about the stainless material is you think that you need all this special stuff, and I'm sure maybe I am doing it wrong, but I've found that stainless seems to weld way differently than your, you know, normal steel, like, when you go to weld it, as soon as you hit that little tack to it, it's, like, just permanently there. Like, there's no heating it up, you know, any of that. It's, like, as soon as you weld, it's there. Um, it's a trip, because typically you think, oh, I gotta have a special setup, a special gas, all this stuff, and we found out that you could just, if you have your standard, um, wire-fed welder with, you know, your gas, you could weld, you know, right to it, and it's, it almost feels like the, the bond is stronger than when you weld standard steel. It's like, it's weird when you do it. So that's why I was asking. It does feel like a, it does feel like an unusually strong bond when it lands on your incision links. <laughs> See, that's what that's what I'm saying. Because like that's the only downfall I was gonna say. What some people need to hear is when you're welding and you're welding on your rig. The other thing I've learned is sometimes, unless you can cover it, I usually hold off installing any of my electronics if I'm gonna be welding on the rig, because there's been times some of the um, the brushed motors have gotten like the can is completely filled with like grinding and weld splatter and stuff because you're working on something you don't really think about it and you know the can has openings on it and the stuff can go right in there and then now it's inside your motor that you're trying to use and a lot of times you know you buy your home hobbies your tekins you're spending 40 50 bucks and you don't want to ruin that even if you're drilling you know if you're drilling chassis yeah. holes or anything like that like definitely yank the motor out of there Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, that's my only other tip and trick. No, that's the only reason why I was curious because, yeah, it's a, it's weird. I actually, because on my yellow blazer, 
um, the skid or I guess the boat side skids, whatever you want to call them, are the BPC ones. And I welded the cage to that, and like as soon as you weld to it, it's just like there, and it's just it's a trip. I've actually done three sixteenths uh, tubing in stainless for a cage and it's just like I said it's just a different feeling because it's like you almost have to hold it there and you're like okay once I pull the trigger this thing is there there's no fixing it so uh, you gotta like commit and then once you do like I said it's just weird it's like instantly there it's almost like I don't know I, like I said I really don't know how to describe it other than as soon as it welds it's like permanent my welding table that I have here is stainless and dude, like any little bit of splatter or anything is just on there. Like it's not coming off unless you take like a flapper wheel to the thing. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I guess that was the other thing. I know we've talked about this. Um, I was going to say this had to be way, I'm going to say almost like 20 episodes ago when we were talking about um, fabrication. Um, I like having a metal table to work on or a metal surface so you can actually ground to that. So when you have your stuff sitting there, it just, you know, you, you automatically got a ground and you don't have a ground wire trying to pull your project off of whatever it's clamped to or where it's at. So, um, yeah. Is that, uh, I guess that's another question I can ask you is, Andre, do you have like a, like a, table that's set up or do you actually ground like put the ground on the rig and weld that way I have a table but I have a weird setup so I can leave tires on I posted a video I posted like a how-to for the Panhara a few days ago on the Scale Metal Supplies Instagram because I had a few questions like how do you line it up and I haven't had the website up yet so I made one really quick so I do have a metal table it's really cheap, too, if you guys can find a metal supplies near you. Go ask for a scrap. You can buy a piece that's cut, or they'll probably have a piece that's big enough. Mine's like 23 by 43. It's a little weird, but that was a scrap, and it was like 20 bucks. And it's oh, uh, nice. like an eighth-inch thick. And I made, a, I made the rest of it, so I made a welding table out of it. But, yes, absolutely get some sort of a magnetic table that you can stick magnets to. You can ground it. That's how my ground is. I bought a magnet, just like a rare earth, whatever, big sticky magnet, and I bolted my ground wire to that, and I haven't touched it in a month. It's just stuck to the table forever. Wow, that's no a, kidding. That's something actually I didn't think of. Yeah, that's yeah, super I'll, smart. Once again, on the, on the house, too, there's these weird magnets that I use that you kind of, like, uh, it's like a flex hose, kind of. I don't know if you guys are familiar with, like, a wet sander. There's that weird, like, corrugated hose. Thingy. There's a bunch of knobs mm -hmm. and you can twist it and flex it. So I have magnets that are kind of like that. So I'll magnet to the table and I'll make my way to the chassis. And the chassis is not touching the table. There's still tires on the rig. Um, I like to use old uh, welding gloves too, like old Meg gloves. If you're welding, you're going to learn at some point and you're going to blow through a pair of gloves. Um, I keep the old leather gloves as tire covers and electronics covers. But if it is a can, uh, sorry, if it is a brush motor, I do always... <laughs> wrap the can in like a masking tape or something, any hold. I haven't had anything happen with a motor yet, but I've had cars that, I know of cars that people have gotten made and there was like a spatter that landed like on the pinion or something silly. So yes, yeah, so I always cover crucial parts with old welding gloves. No, that's another good, that's another good uh, tip. Um, 
Yeah, I have a I have a tendency, which I know is bad. Um, sometimes I weld barehanded, or I like to use uh, TIG gloves because they give you a little bit of protection. So if you're gonna get any kind of splatter, it's not gonna like burn your hand. Uh, but it's they're thin, they're thinner than the big welding gloves, um, like the leather ones. You can actually kind of feel what you're doing. Absolutely, for all of my stuff, like all of like the custom cages and stuff, I use the TIG gloves. It's not until I'm doing like 75 bumpers <laughs> that I'll put on the big gloves just because it's repeated and repeated and repeated. Um, I don't always wear you know, pants or shoes. I have to wear shorts and sandals, to be honest. But just having the welding table, I don't get a lot of runoff from the table and hitting me in the feet and stuff. But I do wear the jacket because um, I have a tendency to lean on the table and you don't want to lean on it if you're not mm -hmm. covered. I just don't want the sunburn. I've sunburned myself before making a, a roof rack for my 89 Hilux. So... That was that was a learning le a lesson learned, you know. <laughs> put on long sleeves. <laughs> yeah, I make sure I wear jeans now. I had a little ball roll off, you know, just some spatter, and it it hit the table, bounced, and I was wearing skate shoes, and usually the tongues are kind of puffy and stick out, and this drip went right inside my shoe, right onto the top of my foot. I was like, all right, never again, uh, jeans every time. I don't care how hot it is out here. I'm wearing jeans. I did burn a hole in one of my pairs of ultra shoes. I'm sad to oh, say, no. but it was the daily pair. So. That's almost a <laughs> oh, crime. <laughs> well, that's cool. We got another ultra customer here. Oh yeah, I've got like uh, four pairs right now. I've been running them for a while. I get them through my work. Um, there's like this weird website you, you can like if you're in the retail sports retail, you can like take tests and. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> oh, cheap. cool. Right on. Awesome. Um, yeah, then I guess that definitely wraps up the whole um, having because now I've, I, think that, I think we've covered all bases. Um, the next thing is just getting people out there to actually do it. You know, a weird thing about that, I a long time ago, probably two years ago now, I made a post saying, man, you know, I wish that somebody just made a, a ready, ready-made packet of tabs, you know, and so you can make like double shear shock mounts or you can, you know, have a tab that you can weld on, you know, so you can have a super clean light bar mount and stuff. And so I, I didn't realize that at the time Scalar Fab had something like that and there was somebody else and I forget who it was, but, um, Anyways, it was really interesting because Josh from Harley Designs had commented on it and he said, he said uh, it's a big misconception that a lot of people make their own stuff. And I was like, well, I mean, I kind of get that because, you know, the, the RTRs probably definitely make up the bulk of the hobby. But, man, like, I, everybody I know makes stuff. I mean, it's like... I. I don't know. It's something I see all the time. So I don't know if it's something that's just, you know, specific to my area and we just happen to get lucky and have a bunch of do-it-yourselfers here. But I always thought that was really weird, you know, because I was like, man, this is a great product. How come nobody has done this yet, you know? And then that's when I kind of caught a little bit of heat, you know, and I just, I don't know. I just thought it was really interesting that... I, I don't know. I mean, don't you see? I mean, Adam, you make stuff, and I mean, 
you know, and Andre's got an entire business devoted to it now. So, I mean, I, I would assume there's a lot of people out there that are making stuff. Well, it, I think what it does is it bridges the gap of the people that are kind of like nervous, like, okay, how am I going to make all this? Because, you know, um, they think like you need all these special tools and really to get started, you don't. Uh, I always say like a decent welder, um, a, obviously a grinder and a vice will get you started. Um, mm -hmm. There's obviously specialty tools that you can get after that. Like I know, um, like you can get a Dremel and some of the attachments to make it easier to get into certain areas to like help grind something down. Um, but then once you get into like finding these tabs, you realize that the creativity can flow a lot easier because now this part that you're trying to come up with, okay, well how can I make it mount to here? And still have a spot for me to go on to here, but I, now I got to make something that's small. And I think some of that, you know, scares people away. And when you have something that makes that easier, you're going to tend to want to do it more. So I've definitely found, you know, that it's a lot easier for me now when I want to make something. Um, which I will admit, it's been a minute since I've actually fully built a lot of stuff. Like I think the Blazer was the last rig that I really built everything, bumpers. Um, uh, the, the cage work, the slider, everything um, was actually custom. So it's, it's been a while since I've actually dove in there. But what makes it so much easier is I was like, all right, I have this tab. That's easy to make. That makes it easier for me when I want to make this because now I'm not trying to figure out how am I going to cut this and make it super small, you know. And especially when you have to make multiples, it's easier to just reach for the fab tab. You got four shock mounts and. Yeah, that's totally better way to go. And really, too, if you're looking to build like a bed cage or anything like that, I mean, what I use here is just I, I want to get something nicer. But right now, I just use a uh, Harbor Freight brake line tubing bender, and that thing has been great for three sixteenths, you know, cold rolled and stuff. I mean, it, it's been great. Yeah, that's what I like to use too. Is yours kind of the plier-looking one? Like, it, it's... Okay, because there's one that Napa sells that I got for bigger bins, but I actually haven't found any use for it yet. I just had bought it. But basically, you, like, you kind of are the tubing bender. You hold this thing in one hand, and then the tubing, you know, attaches to it, and then you kind of bend it with your arms together, you know. But the, I, I definitely prefer the uh, plier-style brake tubing bender. Yes. Only thing that I've found to be a little cumbersome with using that is like if you're doing a really tight radius, like of some sort, uh, obviously it gets in the way because the handles will be in the way when you're coming back around. Like if you're trying to make like a super right. tight, like you're following the front of a Jeep to do like that main hoop in the front or like a stinger mm -hmm. bumper, it's really hard to get that same bend back in there without hitting the pliers. So I've found sometimes, and I know it's probably not the preferred way to do it. I'll slightly offset it, so I'll still continue to use the tool. And when you actually look at the piece sideways, you'll actually see that it's like twisted, like you took it and like, like you know, pulled part pieces apart. And what I'll actually do is I'll put the one end in the vise, and then I'll kind of heat it up, and I'll pull it back and kind of twist it back straight. I know it's not the right way, but I've done it to get around that issue. Yeah, what do you do in a situation like that where you have tight bends to make aside from just eyeballing it like what you were just saying? Uh, I honestly don't know. I mean, I've never gotten my hands on that Northwest Scaler 
um, tubing bender. I don't know if you'd be able to do it with that. I'm assuming it might be a little bit easier because that's more set up like a real tubing bender, like if you need building a cage for right. a real rig. So I'd, I'd like to get on something like that. The other thing is I've seen some people uh, make their own kind of like pegboard kind of like bender, and then you're actually able to set the pegs where you want them and just manually bend it around that like in place. The only thing then is you just have to make sure you keep your tube or the rod at the same point so that way right. you level the whole way around. Huh. What's the board made out of that you're using? Or that people use that do that? I've seen some use just like, you know, the table and they just drill holes so they can set, um, you know, they can just set, uh, you know, some sort of a dowel or a pin in there. Huh. No kidding. Interesting. Yeah, that's pretty cool. But, yeah. So, um,. I was going to say, I think that's really about it. Um, I guess it's kind of nice. We have a little shorter episode. Unless you have anything else you want to... Did you want to talk about the post you did on Facebook about the way you'd like to go? Yeah, yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. All right. Well, since you started the post, lead off. Oh, yeah, I'm just, I'm kind of a documentary nerd, and so I like stuff like National Geographic Channel and stuff, and I was watching a show that was um, just kind of exploring the country of Jordan, and man, some of the stuff there looks so fun, and so that was kind of one of one of my bucket list places, but that would probably be the coolest place that I can possibly think of to go for just some outright rock crawling you know I mean obviously you're not going to have any kind of trail stuff out there but I mean that was really cool and what was neat looking and you know I kind of posed the question like you know if, if you could have your dream trip you know like if money wasn't an object where would you go and like what rig would you take with you and stuff and so that's why I you know kind of thought about trying to put something up and I was hoping we'd engage more people and get more stuff to talk about, you know, as far as that goes. But, uh, I don't know. I just thought it was really cool, you know, and they had like this big, there's some business out there that they have that are like lux luxury, like Bedouin tents. And, you know, it's like they cook for you and everything. And it was basically about as luxurious as you could possibly have a camping setup in the middle of the desert. Like it was just big, beautiful tents and stuff. And that looked really cool. And I thought that'd be a lot of fun. And so, I don't know. I was just kind of daydreaming. I mean, with everything that's going on right now, I think all of us kind of have a lot of time on our hands to think about stuff like that. But yeah, my pick was Jordan. And how about you, Adam? Well, um, I've been actually watching a lot of um, you know, videos lately. Um, like, I've been following Rockstar Garage on YouTube a lot, and they have a new series right now, and it's like, and it's a really cool, um, like I said, it's right by Moab, it's in Utah, um, it's called Sand Hollow uh, State Park. You got... You got the rock formations, which are like sand. You got the actual sand. And also, um, a wonder that adds the you know, slippery, you know, loose traction. And then, hey, um, let me, uh, Adam, one sec. Let me okay. 
cut you off. We're something's goofy happening on Andre's end because I can't even hear you. It is. I heard something. Yeah, it's like what it's, it was. It sounds like that's yeah. better. I I don't know. It sounded like you're like working on something or something like that. I couldn't hear. Oh, sorry. No, I heard a little beep beep. Oh, you're talking like white noise. Yeah, it was. It, it's better uh, now. It was. Sorry, being all crazy. yeah, because I was wiping down the new tab sheet I just got. Ah, okay, yeah. <laughs> all right. So, uh, will, stop. Adam, do you want to can you start that over? Yeah. So basically, I, what I said um, was I chose a Sand Hollow uh, State Park in Utah. Um, I've been watching a lot of one-to-one -one videos uh, during this whole thing. Um, that's where I get a lot of my inspiration for a lot of these builds. Is one-to-one. So, uh, Rockstar Garage is doing like this awesome setup. Uh, they go out, they hit these places like Moab, King of the Hammers, um, Sand Hollow, and it's just the views and the trail and the scenery is just amazing. So it's like I was like, you know what? That'd be an awesome place to go. Um, it's not too far, but it gives a totally different style of terrain because in Northern California we got the mountains. Um, you know, the Sierras. So it's like a total opposite of what I'm used to. So that was just a place I wanted to check out. So that was See, my I got robbed when I watched that video of that because it was some guy from a sand hollow, like four wheel drive store or something like that, but it didn't show any of the lake or anything like that. So now I want to go back and watch it. Yeah. So, um, the lake actually kind of, I guess you could call it a lake. It was a big body of water. Um, it's on our Instagram. So, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. And the, just to see the contrast because it looks so much bluer because it's right next to the sandy rock formations. So it's not like, like, like our waters, they're more green because they're next to the mountains and the dirt and the trees and you get that kind of reflection. So I think that's more of like the reflection off the sky and the fact that it's just clear water. So it comes off more blue, so it looks really nice. Well, you know, since I doubt we're going to get to Jordan anytime soon, probably the best place that would be the closest to that, it'd be kind of cool to, like, have a road, like an RC road trip to St. George. Yeah. yeah. I'd say St. George is a great place. Yeah, there's some awesome-looking stuff that Chris from Melcher showed me pictures of. It, it looks like a beautiful spot, so that's a little more within our budget, I think. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I'd love to just get out there for numerous reasons. I mean, we got, but I mean, both of us, we have buddies out there. Um, you got, like you said, Chris Maltra, um, uh, the whole 801 crews out there. Uh, yeah. it's just like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, and it's almost like you said, it's in, it's in reason. It's not like all the way on the other side of the U S it's, you know, only a few states. Yeah, we're not driving to like Texas or somewhere, you know, it's like not not super, super far away. You know, another cool spot that I've seen a lot of neat pictures of is like Scotland and some areas yeah. in Great Britain near the ocean. Oh man, some of that looks incredible too. The Balkans yeah. and the Croatian coast. It's a very like rocky, uh, rocky coast like from the Croatia all the way down through like uh, Greece and extending into Turkey a little bit. Really, really good coastline. Really rocky. But not, oh, no kidding. Cliff like, yeah. So that kind of your pick? That's where I would go. I don't know if it's a safe place to go, but it's a place I'd go. You want to do some Slavic crawling then, huh? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Andre. <laughs> so I guess we'll extend this. Um, Andre, do you have a, like, if you were to be able to travel anywhere, what would be a place you'd like to travel to uh, to go scaling at? I was actually just watching uh overlanding video on, like, going through the Alabama hills up near Mammoth, uh, actually near Lone Pine. And that looks really cool to me. There's not a lot of, I mean, there's a main fire road, but the way the rocks look, man, it looks a lot like uh, it does over at Horseman. No kidding, yeah. huh? But you know, there's spots in Colorado, cooler. too, that look good. Yeah, there's a lot of states that have some beautiful scenery. It just, it'd be awesome to, uh, you know, see any of them. Um, I mean, a cool bucket list would be able to say that you went to some place in all 50 states and took your scaler. That'd be an awesome story. That would be really cool. Well, we're hoping to do something like that when we come down. Um, I mean, we're, well, I guess I should probably back up a little bit. So Trav and I want to come down and either hit Proline by the fire or at the very minimum, like crawl for a cure. And, uh, one of the things that he and I've been talking about, you know, just in just to create more content for the show and stuff would be to do basically film our entire trip down there. And just whenever we see something on the side of the road, you know, when we're passing through a town or whatever, just stop and check stuff out and just, you know, make kind of a road trip out of it. And I thought that'd be kind of a fun idea and it'd be a lot of video and stuff to edit. I mean, it would be a ton of work, but you know, to document a trip from, you know, up here to, you know, like 13, 14 hour drive to come down there to your area would be pretty rad. I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff you could get. Oh yeah. There's a lot of stuff. I mean, the, the whole entire West coast has something to offer. Yeah. Yeah. Like even like gold beach, I mean, it's kind of out of the way cause it's not I five corridor, but there's a place called gold beach in Oregon that is like, amazing rocky bluff hills you know by the coastline there and it's a really really cool spot too but the bad part is is it's way off of i5 if you're heading down that direction so i don't know it'd be kind of cool to get some different places like that and then get down and get some footage of horsemen's and stuff and you know but like i said at the very least we'd like to at least make it for crawl freak here that's kind of something that's been on my bucket list for a while Awesome. Well, yeah, that'd be awesome uh, to get you down here to crawl again because it's been a long time. Yeah, 2017. Yep. <laughs> that's ridiculous when you stop and think about it. That's such a long time ago. Yeah, that's wild. It doesn't feel like it, though. I mean, we talk every day, so it, like, it doesn't, you know, I mean, it, it feels like you live right next door. Yeah, no, I get it. So, but, um, yeah. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add to this one? I know uh, I'll just I'll take the apology tour this time. Uh, we forgot to put out the questionnaire for everybody to ask questions this week. That's our bad. We got to make up for it next week. <laughs> Honestly, though, I think we were so thorough with this, and he had so much good information that it wasn't even a need. I mean, it, there I learned so much and didn't really have to ask a whole lot so no i i think that'll even without the listener questions i think it's going to be great i i did kind of want to touch on the the associated DB, the dr10 is now out officially and people have them and stuff and so i thought that was probably a little bit you know newsworthy to talk about because that's going to be a uh, gateway 
car for a lot of people getting into no prep drag racing and it, it's been really like evenly split like people either love it or they're bitching about it and it, I, I don't know how much you guys have followed any of this at all but yeah, i mean quite a bit you know yeah, it's been really, really strange. Like some guys are like, "Man, this thing's great. I love it." You know, go straight right out of the box. It's fun on 3s. It's super, super capable. Granted, you know, with no prep, it's only a two cell that you can use. But the they've had some quality control issues, and I don't. I mean, it's there's been I don't know maybe five guys that I've seen on Facebook that have gotten their car, and there's like shock oil all over the place and stuff, and. I feel like a lot of people, I don't know. I mean, if I had that happen to me, I wouldn't like throw a fit about it on Facebook. Cause that's not going to resolve anything. You know, I would actually go to the manufacturer, but I don't know. I've just never been like that. It's like, I just, I'll clean it up and fill the shocks and call it good. You know, I mean, it's like by the time you're on hold and everything else, you could have it done. So, I mean, you know, if something is messed up with your rig, you know, and, you have a situation like leaky shock oil or something like that right out of the box. I mean, if it bothers you that much, uh, call, call the manufacturer, um, regardless of whether you fix it yourself or not, you know, they probably should be dropped the line so that they can say, Hey, you know, this is a problem. A lot of people are having during assembly assembly. You guys need to tighten things up and make sure this isn't happening, you know? And so, you know, they need to hear about it, but you know, go through the right channels. You're not going to fix your leaky shocks by crying about it on Facebook, but I don't know. And I've seen weird things too, like guys saying like, Oh, it, ha it doesn't feel hobby grade. It's toy grade and stuff. And it's like, man, that thing's based on the SC10. And like when we got into racing, that was a competitive car, you know, like two wheel short course in its heyday. That was one of the cars to beat. And so I thought it was just really strange that somebody would make the comparison to, you know, it feels toy grade. I, I didn't get that at all. So, I mean, it makes me kind of wonder if, you know, this is like people's first RTR that they've ever bought. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's a bunch I of new think people. or a what. lot of people bought that car expecting it to instantly be a contender out of the box. And it is not that. And it wasn't supposed to be that. Now, there was this was some information that I think that maybe was construed a little bit where, like, you know, we had people like, like Tim, you know, saying, hey, this is basically my car. But the, the variable that people forgot to calculate was RTR electronic. No RTR right. is going to come with electronics that is going to be as fast as a aftermarket four and a half turn, five and a half turn, six and a half turn brushless motor that you can get. The ESC is not going to be on par with the aftermarket ESCs you can get. Yeah, you can put a three cell in it, but then it's not no prep legal. So, I mean, if you're not in an area where that's, you know, that's your stipulation, then I guess that doesn't matter. But this is the thing you have to understand. If people had looked at that, looked at the actual listing and checked out, like, the KV specs and everything like that, this is something they would have known, but they didn't do that. So, I don't know. Um, I, I did see a lot about the shocks issue where a lot of people were, you know, they, they, they'd open up their box and everything's soaked in shock oil and it's all over the body and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, you can absolutely clean it. It's definitely a bummer for first impression, no, no doubt. Yeah, but, right, right. Because um, I, I do think that that's something that, that kind of shouldn't happen. But at the same time, yeah, go through the proper channels. I mean, but I, I understand 
I also understand the frustration side of it too, but it's also something that like if you use the right cleaners, it can be a really easy easy fix. And yeah, I mean you'd have it done way. by the time you've posted it to Facebook and read the comments, you'd have it fixed. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but so like I, I get the gripe in some way. Um, but in others I I also I think people really didn't quite understand what it was being accomplished here. Like this is like the point of this is that now you can get one and you don't have to piece the thing together. You can still buy one of these, put your own electronics on it. You're going to still have to throw a different chassis tune on it, but you are still so much farther ahead with so much less money than you otherwise would have been. So, Yeah, no, exactly. Um, yeah, you know, the, it's a weird thing, and I don't know if this is something to do with and I'm not trying to turn this into a big you know like associated conversation or anything like that but one of the things I noticed is the bulk of like element enduro customers seem to be new to the hobby and so they had a lot of questions or were wanting to upgrade stuff right out of the box or you know had some sort of QC issue maybe like a mirror was broken or something but I thought it was really strange that you know, I don't know. It, it, the name obviously has a lot of heritage associated with it, so I don't know if it's a lot of guys who are like, oh, I used to race back in the day, that's what I'm going to buy, you know, and so then they're getting an RTR, and, you know, it's not the race quality that they're used to because associate is not really up until the last couple of years hasn't really been known as like a basher or a play brand it's been you know a lot of straight up race equipment with just you know some older mo models carried over and brought into you know being used as an rtr yeah uh, andre are you doing stuff again no I put okay. my hand on my face. That's, that's okay. probably it. Sorry. Okay, now now there's no noise again. All right. Yeah, <laughs> Sounds good now. I put my hand on my face. I'm sorry. Uh, no, it's all right. It's been go like last five minutes. We've had all kinds of white noise coming through on your side of it. It's, it's yeah, it's all good. Um, cool. Yeah. Um, do you want to call it or do you want to... No, that pretty much is everything. I think we covered everything we wanted to say. Awesome. Well, I just wanted to thank Andre for coming on and, you know, sharing what you're doing and, you know, giving fellow, you know, scale builders uh, something to use when it comes to, you know, fabricating your own bumpers, sliders, you know. So thank you for coming on the show and thank you for what you're doing and thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. It was cool. Yeah, it was good to listen to you guys and talk to you. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> Glad we could be here. Cool. So, well, yeah. Everybody, we'll uh, we'll catch y'all next time. Yep. See you next week. See you, everybody.